Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so excited for you to meet Bishop Casey Colomore. I am just getting to know him myself and already I'm thinking, gosh, I really think I'm so glad I'm getting to know this guy. I'm grateful that you're here listening. I think a bishop's perspective on, oh, just self-mastery and the process of that in our lives in mortality and how that is a real thing for any human, but specifically under the umbrella of this organization, life-changing services on this uh, podcast that you'll be listening to, likely on like Dragons Did They Fight channel and maybe as well on Mothers Who Know channel. Just important for us to also be know to also know if you're listening to these, then you have a loved one or you are that person who's looking to understand oh all the topic of self-mastery specifically in lots of areas but what we're highlighting in this interview is just the area of sexual self-mastery and how that is just something that's a challenge for our day and it's part of the battle zone that we all are living in and it's important for us to have a perspective on it that's realistic and healthy and has a lot of eternal truth on it and so that's what we're hoping to do here so i'm just going to start out with yeah asking you bishop colomar if you'll just introduce yourself and just so you listeners know i'm looking at him in this really cool school (laughs) t-shirt 
in your classroom. <laughs> yeah, yes. the, the swarm. He's got a big B, says the swarm on his t-shirt, and he's in a school classroom. Yeah, my name is Casey Cullimore. I've been bishop in the West Point 11th Ward in the West Point Utah Stake for a couple of years now. I have five children of my own. I've got my four oldest are boys ranging from 27, 25, 21 year old that just returned home from Little Rock, Arkansas mission and found out about 10 minutes ago that he got into BYU. So I'm super happy for him. <laughs> so and cool. then my youngest is 19 and he is attending the U or my youngest boy. And then I've got a daughter that is a senior. And so just absolutely, I will tell you this calling of being a bishop was something I never anticipated or expected and has been the most amazing amazing thing that I've experienced. I hate to say it, but it's been even greater for me than my mission as far wow. as personal growth and things like that. I teach high school. I coach coach football and help coach football and baseball help out in both of those. And mm -hmm. so I've been around young people and have loved young people for my entire life. It took mm -hmm. me a long time to get to the teaching perspective, but it's all I've wanted to do. So I'm grateful to be able to help out and discuss my perspective and hopefully be able to help young people and realize, to be honest with you, the thing that catches my mind the most in all of this, maybe it's because of the competitive nature of me. Maybe it's just because whatever, maybe because it means a lot to me, but the, the, the fact that we're talking about dragons and like dragons, did they fight and realizing that there's this metaphor that sometimes teaches us that. It, yeah, we need to be soft-spoken. We need to be humble. We need to be this. But sometimes when it comes right down to it, we need to fight like dragons. And there is nothing wrong with that when we're fighting for our own salvation and for our ability to return and live with our Heavenly Father. Oh, amen. Yeah, boy, I couldn't agree more with that. And it was, it was a crucial turning point for me in my own personal conversion because I, I was born under the covenant and was a super good church lady for lots of years. And so it was just amazing to me once I recognized there's some ferocity behind this. There's something that sounds like, yeah, you're messing with the wrong mom here, right? <laughs> yes. There's something like that's super important in us yeah in us being successful and recognizing that yeah we we are allowed to have some warrior chemistry behind all of that and for ourselves and for those that we love so good that was a game changer it opened up this door of okay if i can have that kind of feeling about my covenants and about who i love and protect and about the enemy now that I know who the real enemy is, and it's no longer myself and my son and my husband and my this, right? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, That's, so good. It's good. I will tell you this, probably my favorite definition of meekness that I've ever heard was absolute power in complete control. And I think when mm -hmm. we talk about that, it gives us this ability to realize and recognize We've been given all the power. We mm. just have to be able to control that power. And when we make decisions that don't benefit us 
in the eternities, we're giving Satan that power. And he takes it with completely, you mentioned veracity. He's going to take it with complete veracity. Sometimes the only way we can get that back is to fight with the same intensity and veracity, realizing that we're on the winning side when we're fighting that way. And there's no reason for there to be anger or ill will or anything involved, but there does have to be some intensity to match that of the adversary and the way he's coming after us. That's so good. I don't know. I'm sure you're familiar with the book, Like Dragons Did They Fight, right? But I just think, yeah, in there, it mentions that, yeah, no matter how old you are on this planet, that's how many years of experience you've had training yourself as a human in mortality, but that he's had thousands of years noticing, hey, this is how you mess with humans. Absolutely. He understands, he, he's seen the history of the world and has had practice for millennia. And me, I've been here 51 years and I, my experience is not near what his is. Mm-hmm. And so I need, I need not only the help of my savior, but I need that dragon mentality to know that I can be vac- victorious. Yeah. Even in your mistakes, even in your failure, like it's a, yeah, it's a big deal. Boy, I just am so excited to talk to you. I'm just so excited. We're just starting. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned earlier that you had a plan, but that somehow what you always wanted to do is exactly what you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Growing up, my dad was a teacher and a coach. From the time I, I know that I was at five years old. All I ever wanted to do is be a teacher. I grew up idolizing my father, wanting to be exactly like him. And so as I got going, I graduated high school, had, unbeknownst to my parents, no plan whatsoever on serving a mission, (laughs) wanted to just go play baseball, get an education, and then come back and teach and coach because that was what I saw this greatest man that I knew do. And then one day happened to get called into the bishop's office. And the ironic part about it is the bishop didn't ask me about a mission. He didn't ask me about anything other than at that point in time, he said, are you interested in patriarchal blessing? And it caught me so off guard that I broke down in tears and had all of these secrets, all of these things that I had no intention. Part of the reasons I wasn't planning on any mission is because of these struggles that I had with all sorts of different vices. Yeah. And all of a sudden I find myself in the bishop's office, feeling the spirit, letting everything. And to my surprise, he didn't get up and, and <laughs> spank me, kick me out of his office, anything. He showed immense love and patience and tolerance. And we spent the next little while working to get things right, working to get myself there. And as I became humbled, it eventually went through the repentance process. And eventually I ended up on a mission and went on a mission, came back, went down to school, found the love of my life, (laughs) played baseball. We got married 
and ended up with the second child that we were not planning on. And so all of a sudden I'm like, I can't continue to play baseball and work and raise two kids and all this. And so I gave up the baseball dream and I ended up moving back home to Davis County and raising kids, but I could not get into the education program at a different university and failure, heartbreak, to be honest with you, stress, anxiety, depression, all of these things set in. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I knew in my life that I was really good at is continuous work and hard, hard work and effort and just continue to push forward. And so I guess this is a long story. I hope it's okay. I love it. Yeah, Um, keep going. But as, as I got through this, my entire world, my entire plan, everything I had, I didn't have the strength spiritually and my testimony is good i knew the church was true i had all this but i guess i didn't have enough faith at the time to -hmm. trust that heavenly father knew what he was doing and so i ended up taking a job working well this will date me a little bit but collecting pay phones and as i'm doing this I'm thinking I'll go back to school. This is not what I want. And every time I tried to go back to school, I didn't have the self-discipline. I didn't have the ability to -hmm. follow through on everything. So long story made short, I dropped out of school three different times trying to go back. It took me 17 years and losing what I thought was my favorite job and would be the job that I would end up at for the rest of my life. And all of a sudden, I'm at the lowest point of my entire life. I'm wondering why. At that point in time, I had a job that required me to work on Sundays. I would tell you that I was, it's my period that I call my occupational inactivity period. I chose work. Was that the job you loved? It was. Okay, got Um, it. And, and so I ended up, I was, in all honesty, I was an inactive member for probably about 10 or 11 years. And I had a testimony. I supported my wife and kids going to church. I would go whenever I didn't have to work on Sundays. But I was just, I was quite frankly, I had been miserable for so long that when I lost that job, I didn't know where to turn. And our Heavenly Father knew that when things go wrong, I sometimes need to, to be hit right between the eyes with the humility stick. (laughs) And he loves me enough that he basically just said, okay, here you go. I know you had these plans. I know you had all this, but your plans aren't my plans. And I need you to do some things for me. I will tell you, looking back now, there are people that I needed to reach as a Bishop that I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so All of this went through and I had plans of actually going and hopefully applying for med school, getting in and getting a job as a PA. I love medicine. Quite frankly, I might be a little weird. I love blood and (laughs) emergency medicine and all of this type of stuff. And so I went back to school with the express purpose rather than just finishing school and getting to be a teacher of doing what I thought would be a little more. And so I finally had this focus and this drive to be able to get me 
through school. Mm. And as I got through school and finished and took all these classes, some strange things happened. I was going back to church. I was able to go with the family. I'm taking science classes. And for the first time in my life, I'm taking these science classes. And it dawned on me that science is how our Heavenly Father created this earth. He used the priesthood and science together, but he had to have the knowledge of science to make it work. And all of a sudden, rather than just going through the motions to get a degree, I started to learn and I started to really pour myself into homework and things like that. And it changed me mentally, but spiritually. And I look forward to going to class to see what does Heavenly Father know about this science that I don't. And I started to dedicate myself and my class to him, and it helped me get through. Wow. And then, long story short, I didn't get into PA school. I ran into my old football coach, who was a principal, and he said, look, here's the deal they'll let you teach while you get your license if you're interested. And I went, that's a long roundabout way to get to be a teacher. But our Heavenly Father tried several times with me going to school and me saying a teacher wasn't enough. I had to have this higher goal, this higher dream. Mm -hmm. And when it was taken away, this ultimate dream and this ultimate goal, the place that truthfully I needed to be was placed in front of me. And I happened to apply for several different jobs and didn't get any of those. And I went, okay, let's see. And then guided by the spirit one day to just open a website that talked about teacher jobs and ended up here at Box Elder High School, interviewed, had a pretty, I don't know, I hate to say it was a great interview because the guy that hired me still teases me about a couple of questions that I wasn't able to answer and has become a dear close friend. And the rest is history. I got a job that I love. I teach with people that have been absolutely amazing, complete blessing in my life. And because I do that, it provides me the opportunity to make sure I'm at church all the time and, (laughs) and just have straightened course And in so doing, have been able to help not only my children better, but it's funny, I don't go around telling kids in class that I'm a bishop, but when they find out, it provides a lot of trust for those that are members of the church. It allows me to help with some of their problems, but the other thing it does is it actually helps those that are not members of the church or those that are struggling with their testimony, because I'm pretty good about showing my faults. Hopefully I've done that already, but it helps to build their trust as well, because they realize that, that being a bishop is not about being perfect, not about having all the answers. It's not about being robotic. It's about loving people and especially loving kids. And so I'm able to love the kids in my ward, love those that I live around, but I'm also able to love in this community that's 45 minutes away from my home and have these interactions with kids that sometimes need encouragement from outside to go talk to their own bishops because 
that's a terrifying process for a teenager. I'll tell you, there's a reason I avoided as long as I did and finally had this opportunity with a loving bishop to show me the way things should go. Wow. Oh, I'm so happy you shared that. <laughs> I'm so happy you shared that. If we have another opportunity to do an interview, that would be so fun to me to just be like, I have a lot of questions about all the <laughs> stuff you said. But one of the things I love about you sharing all of that is it just highlights it highlights like it's going to make me maybe a little emotional it highlights so much the just the real experience that we're all trying to just figure it out but on the outside we're all trying to look like i have got it figured <laughs> out right absolutely but on the inside, we're like, I do not have anything figured out. I need a lot of help. I'm too ashamed to ask for it. I should be smart enough to figure this out. I'll just keep plugging along with whatever skills I have. And just your story highlights how no matter what, God's aware of us and he's going to lead us to where he, he's going to love us and lead us to where he needs us. It's going to be like, it might not be your story or your plan. And along the way, yeah, we just have a lot of fun things to learn together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He will never force us, but he will definitely give us opportunities. He, I love that he wants nothing more for than for us to be successful, but part of that success is that he can't force us. It has to be mm. on our own terms, but he sometimes, because he loves us so much, gives us this ability and puts people and programs and things in our path mm. that are what we need in order to help us make wise decisions. That's so good. Yep. It's so good. And it's, it's, you mentioned earlier, just that how meekness is an absolute power in complete control. And a lot of the complete control comes from relinquishing control. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. When you said just what you said right there, I was like, totally. And all the control that we've been thinking, come on, lock it down, Karen. Come on, you can do this. Come on, you can figure this out. Oh, you're not figuring it out again. That kind of thing. I just think it's so important to recognize that the letting go. I have a loved one who is in a place of just letting go. And I was so grateful because it looked like, it might have looked like to someone like, oh, he's totally giving up. But I knew, I thought, nope. That is not giving up. That is a sacred mess right there. <laughs> that is, I love that. It's amazing when we allow, when we, I don't know, as you watch those that give in and don't give up. Mm -hmm. And when they start to realize that the way to always get what I want is just to choose what God wants. And if I choose what God wants, I always get what I want. And I think wow. that when we start to want that for ourselves, 
then our decisions become a little easier. But sometimes we have to fight not only Satan, we have to fight ourselves in order to get there because of Satan's ability to make us feel bad when we make right decisions. Now that guy is a sneaky little sucker. <laughs> yes, he yeah. is. <laughs> I'm Hannah. I'm so grateful for all your sharing. Bishop, tell, you said that becoming a bishop was alarming to you. They were not expecting that. <laughs> so I'd like to know that was just two years ago. And usually bishops serve for five-ish years. It's actually been a few. It's been four and a half years. Oh, okay. I just, I'm not sure if you want me to share how long it's been. It, it, it's been four and a half years. I'm okay. hoping my stake president doesn't see it me because I'm loving it. And <laughs> I don't want him to think I'm ready to get out at five years. And can I just say one more thing about you being a bishop? I love that gives oh just an added lens to the youth that you are serving, especially in a community that looks secular. It's just so awesome to feel like, what? That guy's a wing nut. Right? <laughs> You're speaking like we've talked before. This is the first we've ever met, but you've got me figured out in about 15 minutes or so. <laughs> no, I think it's because you're a kindred spirit. You're, that guy is real. I think he's real. And I get myself in a lot of trouble sometimes thinking, you don't have to be so real, Karen. <laughs> but I do. I think that it one of the things about that is that it helps people to recognize that it's okay to let go of the man i gotta get this right man this is going to be way too much of a mountain for me to climb <laughs> the expectations are so high and i'm just too bumpy bumping along here it's so, so good it's not about changing who you are it's about changing what you want and i think for me i my whole life, I told my five children that they never had to worry. Their dad would never be bishop. And if I was made bishop, they could leave the church. <laughs> and I will tell you that on the stand my first week, my phone buzzed five times with my kids telling me they were nuns and joining different churches. And they were as, they were as shocked or more so than I was. But the one thing that's happened, and I don't think it's just because I'm a bishop. I think it actually has a lot to do with the people that I've been around in my job. I am surrounded by amazing people. And we always talk that you're like the five people that you hang around most. And I always worry that I'm the one dragging those other five down. <laughs> but what happens is I have gotten a different perspective. I'm still the crazy wingnut. I'm still this guy that you're like, what is wrong with him? But at the same time, my desires, my wants have changed. And as a result, I've become truthfully more blessed with the spirit. And as I become more blessed with the spirit, I've become more confident in my ability to follow the spirit. And as that confidence has built, it has allowed me to be more comfortable, truthfully, as a member of the church, wanting to share the gospel, but not as an outright shove it down your throat, mm -hmm. just as set by my example. It is set by the love that I have for all of the kids in my ward, in my neighborhood, 
my students and I find myself trying to love more like the savior does, I'm a long ways from it, believe me, (laughs) but my patience and tolerance and ability to show love has increased as my desires have become more in line with our heavenly fathers. Yeah. Boy, that's such a great expression of the formula, right? I love (laughs) that. Thank you so much. Oh, okay. I'm sure just by having three now, like literally all your children are qualified as adulting people. All all but the baby girl and she's till April and then they'll all be babies. Okay. And then they'll all be adults. So anyway, I just think just being a parent and watching our children navigate the space of growing up and all of the, just the obstacles that we go through, just what you described earlier about your own life. Everybody has a story very similar to that. I do, I think so many other people do where it's just, I'm pretty sure I'm doing this wrong. And the last thing I wanna do is tell someone about it. Anyway, but as a parent, and I just think there's a lot that we learn as a parent, but then when your eye also comes from a bishop's lens, I'm sure it even yeah, the way that it opens up to having that more, I have a mantle and a role to be a representative here, right? Through my priesthood, an extension of a, the hand of the Savior. I want to be his disciple and point you just to him, but we got to love you there. And so would you just share, oh, what did you learn just being a parent and having kids about just it's people are messy. They make mistakes and that people still can be pretty awesome. So I am grateful to have children that are far better than I ever was. And I, I think because of my childhood, I had extremely loving parents. I was raised in the church. I was, very good at being sneaky and rebellious. And so as my children were growing up, I think it gave me a perspective to be more patient with the mistakes they made. A lot of it in trying to correct it, I never felt like I was being hypocritical because I had changed. I wasn't still living that life. And so I could have honest conversation with my children and say, look, here's the deal. I promise you this decision you're making is going to lead down a bad, a bad road. It's going to end up in a bad place. And so I'm, I'm not going to take away your free agency, but I'm going to tell you that we've built this trust over however many years. And for the most part, my kids listen to me and I never intentionally let them make decisions that would be harmful. But at the same time, I had to allow them enough freedom that it built the trust when I said, hey, I promise this is going to be in a bad place or lead you to a bad place. And they ended up in that bad place that the next time I said it, it made it easier. But I was far from a perfect parent. I've got children that, that my one, my 19-year-old is struggling with the testimony. He's wondering 
whether the church is true, but as we talk, it also allows us to have honest conversations and it allows us to have these things that he can tell me, Hey dad, I don't know if the church is true. And I, as a father can accept that because of the trust we've built, but I also am able to bear my testimony and tell him that I've had these experiences. I know it's true. I know that God lives. And as a result, he questions the church, but he doesn't question God, which is a big thing to me, because if that's the case, then he's going to be a good person. Yeah. And so it really, truly helps me to be able to have these conversations, these honest conversations and the trust that's been built up for our entire lives. Yeah, that's so good. And it's so good to see. Yeah, that's a very difficult thing for a parent to come to watching our kids think that's not the most safe place to be thinking or doing. It's a super difficult thing for us to do. And but boy, is that ever valuable to have a parent who can see you're having your own journey here. Your agency is so vital. And my love is the best thing to offer right here. And my understanding as well as my acceptance of, yeah, this is your journey and I'm willing to walk walk with you. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Wow. And so much of the time we are enticed to feel like, I know I've heard the just the satanic distortion that sounds are you seriously just gonna let them do that you're seriously not gonna say something because this is where church ladies talk this is if you really cared you would bring your church lady voice out right here and you tell them that's not what we're doing and so it's been such a hard thing for me to be like bring up the other lady it's been so important yeah yeah it's a really it's a difficult thing to because we a lot of our identity a lot of our Oh, just who we are. Is this, are we successful? Are we aligned with God and his will if our children start going crazy? And so I just think, oh yeah, I think he's in every inch of it, every detail, but we tend to doubt that he's not. And we tend to think we better go save that like a savior. I I think along with that, we've got a generation of kids that with COVID were told a lot of things Mm. and they're starting to find that some of those were truths and some of those weren't. And so they've questioned a lot, but I also think that generation of kids because they are so elect because they were saved for this time are so sensitive that it, again, it goes back to Satan is able to get to them better because of how sensitive they are and they're very sensitive to the spirit. And it's amazing that these kids that don't have testimonies or don't have this are able to fill the spirit in ways that I would never have dreamed of. And so I see that not only in my own children, but in, in the kids in my ward and the students that they are absolutely feeling the spirit 
They don't always know that's what it is, mm. but they have this ability to truly fill it. And so they're challenged more sometimes, I think, from outside influences because of this overall sensitivity they have. But I also think in the long run, it's what's going to bring them to the Savior and allow them to get a little older and make those decisions on their own as they do realize that it was not someone else influencing them. They went through a couple of years of high school where they had to wear masks all the time and they were told what to do and they never got to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. At this critical time, I think as they get a little older, we're going to see these young adults come back and we are going to be amazed that they are so powerful and so strong because we never saw them that way because they were ta- part of their growing up was taken away. And I'm so excited to see as this starts to happen, mm-hmm. the amazement that will between you and I, and we'll just be like, what is going on? And just there in our YSA stakes they're becoming high counselors they're becoming members of bishoprics they're becoming elders quorum presidents and it's going to take some time but they're the ones that will get through to their peers oh it's so good i'm so excited that you talk like that about our young single adults that you talk like that about our children because so many people are talking (laughs) something completely opposite what is happening here we're all in trouble and i just love that you can yeah you have a special vantage point but you also obviously have a special gift just from what you mentioned i've just loved them forever i just think it's just part of your spiritual gift and i would imagine part of your mission to have a voice that is that voice I think that I'm a certain age. I'm 51 physically. I I oftentimes feel like I'm 15 or 16 still mentally. (laughs) And I've got this advantage of seeing what these young people will become. But I'm blessed with a young enough spirit that I can, I feel still relate to him. So I appreciate you saying, because I've often felt in a most humble way, I hate to say it, but at the same time, with that complete confidence, because of my testimony, that I'm able to fill these young people. I know, because I remember very vividly myself, I know a lot of the thoughts and the things that are going through. And it's given me this ability to talk with them very straightforward, very honestly, very much in a way that their peers do. And I think it's helped to gain me some respect to be able to do that. Yeah. Just the relatability of, yeah. Disarming this guy. He looks 51, but I think he's 15. <laughs> no. Tell people the way I walk, my body from the neck down is 85 from the neck up on 15. And so it averages out to about 51. <laughs> I don't know if the math works out, but I'm a science teacher, so it doesn't matter, I guess. So. Oh, so good. Yeah, I've been wondering that table behind you. I'm like, the whole time I'm like, 
Oh. Is it the periodic table? What is that? Yes. It is. So the whole time I'm like, do I dare say this out loud? Because I think that's the periodic table. <laughs> is that right? Anyway, but yeah. oh, that makes me feel like I'm still smart that I just knew the word. Yeah. <laughs> we won't question you on any of them. We'll just yeah. let you know that this no. is definitely the periodic table. Oh, okay. So let's shift gears then. When you became bishop and as just the experience you've had, tell us what you noticed becoming a bishop that maybe you didn't notice before you were a bishop about just the saints trying to figure it out, trying to make the perspective of, okay, so what does this look like in a successful way? The first thing that happened when I became bishop is I started to recognize that everybody is looking for love and friendship mm -hmm. and people can't get enough of kindness. People can't get enough of knowing that someone is thinking about them. And in speaking with my counselors, we decided that the best thing that we could do as a bishopric was to share this love, share this compassion, and find ways and opportunities for those in our ward to do the same. Mm. So what that resulted in is as we started to look to at different people for callings, we didn't look at their talents. We didn't look at their jobs. We didn't look at anything other than let's have a conversation about who can they care about? How mm. can they get through? And some of the callings that have come through, and we didn't make all of those callings. We also wanted to allow our organizational presidents to give them a lot of autonomy but we asked that as they made these callings that they look for people, not talent wise, but loving wise to be able to help the people that, that they were over. And, and so what we found is with our primary presidency, We've put in a group. We had no idea COVID was coming. We'd been in for six months when COVID hit. I think it was, I feels like six, but anyway, wow. but we found that all of a sudden that it wasn't someone with an amazing ability to entertain kids. It was someone with this amazing ability to love children and figure out ways to get children taken care of. Mm -hmm. We found out with our young women's president when camp got canceled that they loved these young women and they had a camp at home and found ways to share this love and mm -hmm. have these young girls share love with each other. And it's built up through our ward to the point where someone the other day we were talking and they said, my brother-in-law drove through your neighborhood and he said, everyone in your neighborhood waved to us. Mm -hmm. And he says, are you that weird neighborhood where everyone waves? <laughs> and she said, you know what? We are that weird neighborhood that everybody waves in. Mm -hmm. And it built my testimony 
because it's what we wanted as a bishop. We didn't, a, the church is going to run and Heavenly Father is going to take care of all of this stuff yeah. as long as we're obedient. But mm -hmm. what we really truly felt was that there had to be an intense love of everyone. And as a result, we've been able to bring several inactive members back. But it also has helped us with issues that have come up in the neighborhood. And the way that I became associated with your program was a young man that had struggled with addiction, had struggled with pornography, had struggled with all this. Mm -hmm. And we had talked and we had canceled and we had tried and I wasn't really sure and ended up with a... I think it came from our state president, but I can't honestly remember where it came from, but this book shows up and I said, what about this program, this sons of Helaman program? Mm -hmm. And his thing was, if you think it'll work and I didn't know, but I had read enough to know that it would make a difference in his life. Yeah. That was almost five years ago. He's since moved out of the ward, but I had the opportunity to run into him and his wife about three weeks ago. Wow. And the biggest change that I will tell you was not only it was not him, it was actually the love and happiness and genuine knowing who they were from his wife. And that was how I knew that his life had changed because her countenance had changed because of the way that he had become different and better and improved and more like our savior. Wow. So he was married when you started working with him. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Married and had been married, I think just under two years. And so it just, it was amazing. So cool. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. All right. And so you heard about life-changing services and Sons of Helaman through the Life Dragons Did They Fight book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, what are some of the experiences you've had? Because what I want is with us as members, I love your message of love and how vital that is for each of us, but especially for youth, because we're seeing a lot of go on a mission, come home and work some stuff out, that kind of stuff. So important to navigate that with so much love and acceptance. Also, I was superstar young woman or young man, and now I'm over here thinking I don't really want to do that anymore. And so we tend to, instead of go love them, we think, oh, we'll just withdraw because that's awkward. And so I just think, Wow. I, what else did you notice maybe working with younger, young women, young men, did you notice that they were struggling with the plague of pornography with sexual self-mastery? What was the, what was your experience like with them? So the, hopefully this comes out right. The uniqueness to me was I realized that at eight years old, we send this, boy or girl in to talk with a bishop. And I realized it's probably the first time they've ever had an interview with the bishop. 
Yeah. And I realized my first couple that it's hard to get them. They're terrified. They're scared. <laughs> He's and, got a hammer in here somewhere. <laughs> and then they get through this baptismal interview and everything's good. And then they turn 12 or get ready to turn 12 in that year. And they really haven't had an interview with the bishop for four years. And so they've forgotten or they remember that it was just terrifying the last time. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself in these interviews asking, especially early, very few questions about church, about testimony, about any of that. It required me to find out about them and their interest and their likes and mm -hmm. Then as you go right from, tell me about your dog, tell me about school, tell me about your favorite class, tell me about the savior. And when that transition is smooth and they've found this ability to trust because you were extremely interested in all of this stuff that they wanted to talk about, their testimony isn't fluid, their testimony isn't there, but they will bear their testimony if you can get this. And then as they bear their testimony, it gives you the opportunity to bear testimony. And that's when they start to find out that being a bishop isn't about asking the hard questions. It's not about, I mean, it is about judgment, but it's not about judgment. Yeah. It's about love. And you show up at their activities and for me, luckily for me, I am a sports athletic junkie, but I am a closet show tunes guy. <laughs> and so when they have these programs and all of a sudden you're there and they know or from the interview about their life and you can ask them, this love makes it possible that when they have these issues, they have these problems they know what the response is going to be. It's this trust and this faith and these things that we've learned that we can talk about pornography and mm -hmm. we can say, hey, understand, it takes away your freedom. It takes away all these things that, that you don't want to do. And then you can say, tell me about how you feel after you've slipped, after you've had these issues. And they can say, I feel like garbage. Yeah. And you can say, that's because Satan doesn't stick with you after he's got you. Mm -hmm. He's going to leave. So what are some things we can do to help the spirit? Because I promise you, after you follow the spirit, he's not leaving. He'll stay there. And they have ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But it's this honest conversation that as a new bishop, I didn't have with them when they were eight, but mm -hmm. I can relate to these eight-year-olds and then remembering, hey, at eight to 12, they're terrified that they've got this, they've got this interview with this crazy guy that waves his hands and, and it is loud and truthful. And it built this love on my perspective for the youth. Mm -hmm. And I just found out that their challenges are quite frankly, the same challenges that we have all dealt with mm -hmm. for a long time, yeah. but the availability 
of their challenges is a lot more than mine were, than ours were. And so all of a sudden, what we have to do is put a lot more tools in place and encourage them a lot more and talk with them a lot more because the prevalence is a lot more. Uh, And we have to have programs that'll help us. Yeah. When did you find, when did you realize, Kate, like how as a bishop do you even recognize I think we should maybe check out a program that helps because a lot of people feel like, well, I'm fine if you're just talking with your parents. Okay, now we'll talk to the bishop and the parents, but I'm, it doesn't feel fine when we have to go beyond that. But it's sometimes it's so vital to get the training, the tools, right? And to see this, just pick up this ferocity piece that changed my life, that kind of thing. So... For me, it had to do with, I had no formal training. And that's the that's a scary part nobody ever tells you. As a bishop, you come in, there's no formal training. It's just all of a sudden, here you are, good luck, listen to the spirit. And I'm like, I haven't, I've done my best, but I haven't been in regular contact with the spirit for a long portion of my adult life. And so what happened is, for me, I went in and I started to read books. I'd start to look at articles. I'd listen to general conference talks. And I also had honest conversations. And what I found is when these youth were doing the things that they were asked to do, they were, for me, I believe prayer is a huge part. I believe gratitude and praying on days when they finally made it a day without pornography Mm. or, Hey, did you kneel down that night and say, thank you. And then, and when they would do these things and we had success, but then at the same time, when we had met and couldn't get it there, yeah, but we had breakthroughs and positive experiences that when we had to go to, yeah, Hey, I think I need to refer you to this, there had been enough positive experiences and trust built that it was finally, hey, if you tell me this will help, I will believe you. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's that trust factor. And it's that you have to have the complete love that disappointments and setbacks with youth and young single adults and all of these setbacks have to hurt me as a bishop as much as it does them. And they have Mm. to feel that empathy, but also recognize that we are frail human beings that need love and attention and need a savior. And for me, the hard part was being a, I shouldn't say the hard part, but the interesting and the eye-opening part was as a representative of the savior, they have to be able to feel his love from me. And as that happens, it builds trust and allows them to know, Hey, let's try it and see what happens. Yeah. And I think that was the big thing is my verbiage. I don't think about it until you just ask me this. And I realized my verbiage never changed. Hey, let's try this. You're struggling with pornography. 
sexual stealth mastery. Let's try this. Hey, let's try this. It's not working. Okay, let's try this. And then it was, that's not working. Let's try life-changing services. Yeah. And all of a sudden, okay, it's just another step as we're working. And I was always honest. I'm like, I don't have formal training. I'm doing my best. I love you. I'm trying to work through this, but I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And I'll give you the answers I know. I'll give you the answers that I feel inspired to tell you. I'll share scriptures with you. But at some point in time, the demons that are influencing you because of how special you are, mm-hmm. are sometimes more than I'm able to fight. And we got to have that. We got to have the dragon mentality. We got to have this veracity. And, yeah. and it's amazing how well it works. Wow. I'm always curious and I've never been able to ask this question to a bishop, but I always think, I always think when someone comes to participate in like Sons of Helaman, for instance, and they've been working with a bishop on a weekly basis, say, and then they start going to the program when they come back and say, here's what I'm doing in this program. This is what I'm noticing or what I'm learning about. And they tell it, how much do you hear about what they're learning Is there something that they've come back and said, this is maybe a good thing to know? (laughs) Earlier, I mentioned that I'm I'm not ready to be done being a bishop. Part of it is because I, they come back and talk and I have now tools in my belt to help these youth at a younger age or to help them at a sooner age that I know are effective, that I know work, that maybe they they may have to, they may not, but it helps build trust because the things that I say, Hey, let's try are far more successful. We don't have formal training, but if we'll listen and have these interviews and have these talks, we get plenty of training. You seem like the kind of Bishop after noticing what you notice in your Bishop's office and with your calling to have a heart that just loves that loves youth, loves those people. But what has the learning curve been for like, every parent has a different approach and every child has a different understanding of, well, likely this is world war that will break out. If my parents find out this will happen. They just, what are some of the tools or the tricks or just the encouragement that you've helped parents with or notice that parents needed to know? I think a lot of it is as I meet with the youth, I always ask them, do you want to have your, the conversation you need to have with your parents, do you want to have it in my office or do you want to have it at home? And if they choose at home, I actually ask them if they would like me to talk to their parents first and have this. And it's funny that, they don't want that. They want to be the ones to be able to say, mom and dad, I've got this challenge. I've got this issue. Several times we've met in my office and it's funny as a parent, we have no idea. We're faking it all the time. Every child, because they're so different, we're faking with every child. And so what happens is parents are the same way. Like, child to be standing there talking and they're looking at me to see how am I supposed to react to this? (laughs) And so as their kids are talking 
And I'm trying to, within my heart, say, just love the way the Savior loves. Just, just be like our Savior. And if that's the case, you hopefully you remember what it was like to be a kid. You remember, chances are you probably had this same conversation with your parents. Mm -hmm. And you have the opportunity to say, my parents reacted well, I'm going to react the same way or my parents were terrible. And I swore I'd never react that way. This is your opportunity to react in a better way. Mm -hmm. And I think I only remember one negative with a parent mm -hmm. where the parent didn't understand. And fortunately, fortunately, the Lord does work in mysterious ways. And we actually already had a meeting set up with him immediately following this to offer him a calling. And so it was a natural ability for us to go right from this miserable interaction. And, and it was miserable to say, okay, let's talk about it. What are some things? And it turns out that as a parent, he felt like a failure. And then he needed the encouragement to just realize you're not a failure. You're <laughs> a parent. And this is your learning curve. And you have younger kids. And there are things you can do to try and prevent them from making these same mistakes. Yeah. And hopefully it works and you can feel better. But if not, understand that when this happens again, that it's not on you. We do everything we can. We try and shield them. But Satan's plan was to keep them away from everything. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father's plan is for our Savior to have gone through the atonement and draw us nearer to him. And it doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that you are a parent. And your job then is to love the way that our Heavenly Father. And so this miserable experience turned into an opportunity. And it was funny because he says, I flew off the handle. How am I supposed to talk to my young man about this? And mm -hmm. I said, the best thing you can do is tell him you made a mistake. And then all <laughs> of a sudden he realizes that his mistake is been made. Your mistake has been made. What if we forgive each other together? And it turned out to be just an amazing opportunity for mm -hmm. this family to grow closer together. Ah, so good. Ah, it's so good. Okay. Oh, I just think I could interview you a little even longer. <laughs> but I'm, I am gonna. I one of the questions I have is, what have you learned about Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, the Holy Ghost in this battle? What have you witnessed or learned? And I think we're gonna end there. Okay. I've learned that our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, that he has this plan that he knows the end from the beginning, and he refuses to do anything to take away our agency, but because he knows the overall plan, because he is full of wisdom and mercy and justice, 
that he knows what it takes in order to get us where he wants us to be. Mm. And he truly wants us to be with him again. I've learned that our savior is absolutely completely aware of how we're feeling especially in the bad times the atonement allowed him to experience and know exactly what we're thinking and feeling and as a result he is the ultimate comforter he is the ultimate one to understand and the ultimate one to send the Holy Ghost to inspire parents, mm -hmm. bishops, ward members to know exactly how to provide comfort. I, that's, mm -hmm. that is the most amazing thing in that the inspiration and the things that have been inspired for me to say they mm. they don't come from me they come through me but definitely not from me and lastly the holy ghost is absolutely this conduit to our savior and to our heavenly father not only to speak the words that need to be spoken not only to perform the actions that need to be performed but for those that are struggling, those that are doubting, those that are wondering, no matter how good or bad their testimony is, to know that they are loved by heavenly beings who want the absolute best for them. The dream team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Gosh, thank you so much, Bishop Colomar. You are welcome. Thank you. This was yeah. a whole lot of fun. So I appreciate it. So good. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been so edifying and so powerful. So grateful. I think one of my takeaways is just how powerful love is and how it just so many, so much of the, our interview, I was thinking the first great commandment, right? Yeah. It just pretty much covers it all. And the new language that they've made in the endowment session, Absolutely. how they come right out and say, oh yeah, it's top shelf love. <laughs> anyway, it just, I just think, oh, it's just such a good message to take away from this episode is just love that's the spirit that really god gave each one of us not just a desire for it but also to to want to give it and share it and so it's just such a beautiful thing our theme scripture in mothers who know is the one from second timothy 1 7 god did not give us a spirit of fear right but of power yes. and of love and of a sound mind but yeah i just think the first great commandment. Thank you for that, Bishop. So You're good. Welcome. All you. right. So good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Have an amazing day. 
Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week Mom Power Training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.